Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Heroes Group Roundtable. We are globally connected. Military Families Matters with partner family caregiver Keisha L. Jackson. Today is Saturday, November 5th, 2022. November is Military Family Appreciation and Alzheimer's Disease Awareness Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm the co-host today, Deborah Denhart. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. And our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega, Scouts Honor Productions. Today we're joined by our partner, Keisha L. Jackson, who's a U.S. Air Force veteran and family caregiver. And her panelist is Daphne Wright. She's a certified financial planner and founder of Flourish Financial Pathways. Thank you, Keisha and um, Daphne, for being our guest today. Thank you. How are you all doing? Doing well. Thank you. I'm doing well as well. Perfect. Uh, Before Daphne gets started, Deborah, I just wanted to say to all, to you and all of my federal federal, um, um, veterans, fellow veterans that are present, active duty, or have retired or have gotten out, I salute you for this upcoming Veterans Day. And as you mentioned, that, you know, November is National Family Caregivers Appreciation Month. So this is definitely my heart, my topic, my passion, being able to provide and share information for family caregivers. So today's topic, talking about um, debunking or the myths about long-term care, I, I feel that this is really important, whether you're active duty, whether you're caring for someone active duty, or where, whether you're retired, a veteran, or whether you're caring for a retired veteran or someone that has gotten out of the military. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I'm also a U.S. Air Force veteran. I forgot to mention that. So, Keisha, we have something in common. Yes. (laughs) So, yes, what a great topic, dispelling myths about long-term insurance. So let's start off with some of those myths. What are some misconceptions about what Medicaid will cover when it comes to this? Well, Medicaid... Um, Medicaid is actually for persons who are in um, lower income. So it's uh, a lot of people say, okay, Medicaid will cover that, but first you have to qualify. So uh, just about each state is going to have different Medicare um, rules, and that will be based on income limits, size of the family. And so first you have to qualify for Medicaid. So a lot of people will be on Medicare, and we can talk about that too, but Medicaid uh, will be for very low income. And then oftentimes um, when you find out how much you may need to put out, um, and I'm going to kind of more think of, you'll have two situations. You'll have people who can start off affording expenses, or you can have people who already are under those uh kind of the low-income guidelines for their state. So um, 
if you qualify for Medicaid, you're not going to have a problem. But here's here's where it comes in, where people may ha- um, be close to that or they find out that they're exhausting a lot of their assets. There are spin-down rules in order for you to qualify. Oh, okay. So what are some of those rules? Uh, so basically, spin-down spin is uh, – it's – it's the concept that um, just comes into play so that a person um, has to come under those certain income levels and mm-hmm. asset levels, or they'll be disqualified. So it's the way to legally bring down your income and your assets in line with the elig- eligibility requirements. So I've dealt with some people who've been on. This is not a. <laughs> this is not something people generally want to want to try to do, but. Oftentimes, it is needed because otherwise you're looking that you really uh, will just continue to exhaust your assets. But um, the, what the what each state is going to set, they're going to have something called countable assets. Um, you also may hear the term non-exempt assets. So these are just liquid assets. So these are going to be like your bank account, stocks and bonds. And generally, the limit for that can be pretty low. Um so, like in my in, in my area, it's like twenty five hundred. So you'll have to spend that on your assets. And then there's some things that are exempt. So they say you can keep this. You may be able to keep your house. Um, generally, um, a, if it's not of a certain value. And here's the other thing that it kind of depends on particular states if you're married or not married. So if you have to go into a nursing home and you're you're single, that house may not be exempt. But if you have a spouse that has to stay in the house, then it may be exempt so the the spouse can stay there if it's not a, you know, uh, if if the value of the house is not above the limits as well. So in other words, it's type of getting rid of your assets so you have less to claim. Is that what you're saying? Getting getting rid of your assets and, you know, there's some strict guidelines where they're going to make sure, you know, they're going to try to make sure. Because some people will try to do this as a strategy. They say, oh, let's let's get rid of our assets. So um, you really have to be careful. There's something called a look-back period. That's usually for most states 60 months or, you know, five years. And so, um, you know, before Medicaid um, does it, they're going to try to make sure that you didn't have assets that you gave away. Like you may give away your, you know, your money to your cousins and friends and things like that or a car so that you can qualify. So if you do that, right, if you do that, you literally uh, and and they find out, which they're going to really try to check, right? then um, it will disqualify you for additional months um, um, uh, that, you know, for the period of time that you've done that. And you usually will push out more. <laughs> you'll, you'll probably be in worse shape. Right. So just by doing that. Just don't do it if you can. Yes. <laughs> correct. <laughs> you will get correct. caught. You will get caught. Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. So what are, what are some things uh, that people really need to know before considering the purchase of long-term insurance? So long-term care insurance um, is, you know, first of all, I'm just going to, I think that just kind of statistically, um, according to the U S department of health and human services, um, someone turning 65 today will have a 70, 70% chance of requiring some long-term care um, service support during some time in their life. And, and when you, in the case of women, 
the typical long-term care need will last a little bit over three and a half years compared to men, which is just a little bit um, over two years. So um, while approximately one-third of today's 65-year-olds may not ever need long-term care, 20% of those who do will require it for more than five years. So that's one of the reasons why you want to think about um, getting long-term care insurance. And so um, I think uh, two things. Uh, one thing you want to understand is what long-term care insurance covers and what it doesn't. So it's not for medical care. Um, it, it's, it is actually to cover um, some of the activities of daily living, so, so more like custodial, um, custo for custodial things. So some of the triggers are, um, well, let me just say this, because I think a lot of times people don't know, long-term care policies are standard across the board, right? So all long-term care policies go by the same, um, they have a lot of provisions, but the, the, the foundation of it is that they, they um, go into effect when a person cannot perform uh, a two of the six activities of daily living. You'll hear this term called ADLs, activities of da daily living. And those are called bathing, uh, those will be bathing, eating, um, dressing by yourself, transferring, and transferring is ability to, to walk and get out of bed or, or a chair, toileting or continence, okay? And then uh, above the six ADLs is, um, you know, a cognitive, uh, cognitive impairment like Alzheimer's or dementia. So that's what it does cover, but it's not covering medical care. And remember, it has to be um, two of the six. But I still advocate that uh, people really want, when you look at the statistics, um, it will be something that you really want to consider. And uh, I'll just say I'm a, I'm a certified, as a certified financial planner, I kind of look at it in terms of two things for um, your care, um, but also you do it as a part of kind of retirement planning. So you can say, mm -hmm. okay, well, at least that will mitigate me using up hundreds of thousands of, you know, dollars or tens of thousands as opposed to paying a premium. But some of the things you really want to, uh, you want to understand that, what it does and does not cover. Um, and you also want to consider your assets. So there are people, if you, you know, um, Medicaid may not, I mean, I'm sorry, long-term care. If you have a, if you're wealthy, you may not need it. And if you're close to the poverty, you know, not poverty, but low income, you, you may not want to get it either. So it's kind of that middle of the road person. Um, because um, if you're very low income, you could possibly um, qualify for Medicaid. And if, if you're very, you know, have a good amount of wealth, you may be able to self kind of insure. Um, I think the only the, the thing I would just think, say, think about with long term care is you want to think about it for yourself. And I also think that it's good to think about it for, um, you know, parent. you know, if your parents or you know that, you know, you have parents who, even if they're not, you know, in a, in a bad place now, because it would be hard to get it if you're not healthy. If you know that if something happens, you'd probably be responsible for your parents or you would probably be coming out of pocket, you may want to try to get that before they're too old and it would be affordable to you. Yeah, did you say that nope. uh, 
long-term care insurance, is that a federal, is that, you know, where do the guidelines for that, you know, for the standards of that come from? So that, um, it is the um, National Insurance uh, and NAIC, I think, uh, sets those standards for it, but you'll be getting long-term care insurance from um, private, you know, private care, the insurance companies. Okay, so is every state different? Would every state have different types of insurance available for that? So it's really not it's really not a state program like okay. a Medicare or Medicaid. So it's not a state program, but yeah. Okay. There may be different rules for the ins- insurance, um, but all in all, those are not state programs. Okay, thank you for clarifying that. Mm-hmm. Now, can you respond to the myth that most el- elderly people receive long term care in nursing homes? Well, um, a lot, uh, you know, a lot of people are not, I mean, most people are not going into nursing homes. A lot of people will be having, uh, first of all, most most elderly people aren't even going to nursing homes. Many will never need to be in a nursing home. But then let's just talk about those who have some kind of um, impairment. Many people are staying home, you know. They have uh, home health care um, uh, people coming in to assist them. And I'll just say these long-term care policies, um, you, you know, if you're looking for that, that's one of the provisions you may want to have, and that that's going to be pretty prevalent, that you can have home health care. You may have family members uh, helping you. Um, other things that people have is like adult daycares, things like that, um, you know, some community programs. But, um uh, more and more people are staying home, and that's going to definitely cut down on costs. And if you have these kinds of uh, these coverages, or you have people to help, you know, a lot of a lot of people are just have you know family caretakers. Um, the, the affordability can really be um, high for a person that for a nursing home. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you think about twenty-four mm-hmm. hour, you know, coverage mm-hmm. in a nursing home and. Some cost to that, you know. What is the average cost for someone to, like, say, for example, like, for just for example, a nursing home? Are there any numbers um, out there on, like, just an, you know? Yeah, you know, actually, a good place to go on there is is by by state, and you can go on the Genworth cost of care um, because that's really going to vary, you know. Um, it's it's really it's really going to vary on that on uh from from you know state to state but you're you're if someone's going to be um and having long-term care needs you know you're you're going to get into the hundreds of of dollars you know even for for um daily daily care and i i i can kind of bring that up and i think that that may be a good time to just think about medic you know medicare what does medicare cover Oh, true. Yes. What what does that yeah. cover? So, um, you know, that's kind of also a myth uh, that Medicare will pay for long-term care expenses. So, you know, um, uh, Met- Medicare, you know, there's Part A and Part B, and there's the Part A for the, the, the hospitalization and Part B for medical. So, you know, you're thinking a lot about your medical, but when you talk about long-term care, an extended um extended stay, there are um, limits. So before uh, Medicare starts to cover uh, the cost of any hospital stay, 
the first person is going to have to meet the deductible. So I think in 20, right now it's like 1,556, right? Um, And then on the benefit period, we're talking about a hospitalization, right? Um, So this is just talking, you know, so when we're thinking of long-term care, I'm just trying to get the context of um, just being in a hospital. We're just not talking about someone who needs extended, extended custodial care. But even with that, um, the benefit period starts the first day of the hospitalization and in 60 consecutive days after the person's discharged from the hospital and the nursing. But for the first 60 days, there is no, um, you know, you're not paying any coinsurance, right? But after from, you know, day 61 to 90, you are paying 389 daily. Wow. Okay. It's going to be 400 in 2023. So for those days, um, then after the 90 days, um, you're paying $778 daily. That adds up. <laughs> that adds up pretty quickly, right? It's going to be 800 in 2023. And then after 91 days uh, in the hospital, then the insured pays all the costs. So you can really see, I think this is one of the biggest myths that Medicare is going to pay for, you know, these long-term stays. It does not. Wow. So is there only private insurance, you know, to cover these costs? I know some organizations, you know, help with the cost, but as far as in general, do most people who don't have like, you know, the categories you mentioned, if they're wealthy, if they're, you know, in the poverty range, I mean, is there any, you know, type of additions, you know, know, organizations out there to help, again, you know, federally or or statewide to help cover some of these costs that... Well, I'm not really familiar except with the, you know, the Medicaid programs to cover that. So that's why. Now, Mm -hmm. I I can, you you asked one thing about the states. Now, some of the states have been enacted. Well, they're not covering this, but what, well, let me not go there because I may get a little bit too in the weeds, but not really. Um, You're just going to have to try to, you know, go to your states um, and and see what kinds of programs you can get. But there's nothing that is, you know, federally funded because these are the things. But what a person can do um, if they, you know, for Medicare, you can get uh, a companion plan with, you know, the you can you can either quali- you can get a Medicare Advantage. That's one of the things on the, the Medicare menu. Now, that will cover some of the costs that Medicare um, would not uh, cover some of the hospital stays. Also, there's Medigap insurance. Um, that will cover some of the costs that um, beyond what Medicare will pay. And then many other people will have from their, you know, maybe from their jobs, and that's becoming less prevalent that they may still have coverage from, you know, medical coverage from their jobs. But uh, here's the other thing that's usually medical coverage, right? Because I talked about hospitalizations. I'm not really talking about that long-term, that long-term care when a person um, is needing, you know, uh, ongoing custodial care beyond like skilled nursing care. And even for Medicaid, I wanted to add into that, um, Mm -hmm. um, Daphne, the uh, Office of Personnel Management, I did want to bring that in. They have the uh, federal long-term care insurance program. 
Mm-hmm. And so that may be another alternative for people, whether it's military or what federal jobs, to be able to look into the different programs that they have as well. Again, that's um, the Office of per- Personnel Management. Great. They have the uh, Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program. I'm going to jump in here really quick. We have uh, about a minute left. We're going to close out. But thank you so much, both of you, for being guests today. Uh, Keisha Jackson and Daphne Wright. Keisha, our partner and family caregiver. And Daphne, your panelist, I really appreciate you being on the program today. So stay tuned with America. Thank you. Stay tuned with America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.